Hello and welcome to episode 6 of A Good Book Review, a podcast where we sit down and review a wide variety of books that have been written for Christians. My name is Alex Davis and this is Chase Vitor. Yeah, that's correct. Thanks, Alex, for the introduction. In today's episode, we have the pleasure of sitting down with Jeremiah Harder and listening to his thoughts on The Life and the Diary of David Brainerd, which is written by David Brainerd and Jonathan Edwards. Uh, Brainerd went to be with the Lord in October of 1747, and Edwards finished up uh, writing this literature shortly thereafter. Uh, the book is currently available on Amazon for a list price of just under $12 at the time of this recording. Uh, Jeremiah Harder has served at Erhab Bible Camp for 16 years in his current role as Executive Director. Prior to joining staff at camp, Jeremiah had earned a degree in Christian education, majoring in Bible and Christian camping from Grace University. Welcome, Jeremiah. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. Uh, opening question of the review here for you, Mr. Harder, is this. Uh, typically on the review, um, we have a lot of podcasts that are not similar to this one insofar as uh, this is a biography. Um, so that being said, as it is categorized as biographical, uh, what would you say makes David Brainerd such a worthwhile man to study, especially bearing in mind that this is the first biography that we've done? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think uh, one of the ways to answer that is probably to use one of the author's own words for part of this answer. So, yeah. you know, the, the actual book is a diary from David Brainerd. So it's his personal diary. But Edwards is also listed as an author because he he writes the preface. He compiles the diary. He interjects um, relevant historical information and just things um, during during the sharing of the diary uh, that are really helpful. And in his preface... He, he kind of goes into it a little bit, and here's a quote. Here's what he says. Okay. There are two ways of representing and recommending true religion and virtue to the world. The one by doctrine and precept, the other by instance and example. Both are abundantly used in the Holy Scriptures. Not only are the grounds, nature, design, and importance of religion clearly exhibited in the doctrines of Scripture, its exercise and practice plainly delineated and abundantly enforced in its commands and counsels, but... There we have many excellent examples of religion in its power and practice set before us in the histories, both of the Old and New Testament. And so what Edwards is saying is in the Bible, in life, he, go, he expounds on this thought for a while in his preface. And he says, there's two useful things we have. One is teaching, doctrine, those type of things. And the other is examples like someone living out doctrine. And we see that in a lot of times more in biographies. And his his ending sentence in that that preface or that that thought on that area is such an instance we have in the excellent person whose life is published in the following pages. And and so to answer that question, I guess I would say that Brainerd is a man who lived out and expounded about like doctrine and Christian living and and he talked about it and then uh, he lived it out. And so worthwhile to study, yeah. Sweet. Awesome. Um, so this book has two different authors listed on the front page. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the relationship between the two men and what led Edwards to want to see Brainerd's life and diary published? Sure. Yeah. So Brainerd and Edwards were contemporaries in the early 1700s. Um, Edwards was about 15 years older than Brainerd. And they, they, um, Brainerd went to Yale, uh, he didn't want to be a farmer he had inherited a farm and <laughs> um agriculture yeah. and and during his time there he actually um 
talked about one of the faculty in a way that got him essentially kicked out of school. And and actually, if you, you know, I, I obviously I'm commending the book to you, but if you read it, I think you'll be amazed at what got him kicked out. It, it's such a minor thing in our society and culture today. Um, I think he said about one of his teachers that they had uh, the grace of a chair, or <laughs> as he was saying, no grace whatsoever. And that was overheard and he got kicked out of school for it. Wow. And and so four years later, he comes back to the school and he's actually asking to be reinstated. He's asking for forgiveness. He's trying to say, here, here's the circumstances. I was wrong. And as he's presenting, um, Edwards is one of the people on that staff that's yeah. listening to him. So he gets a little bit of an introduction of who Brainerd is at this point. And then it isn't until another four years passes by that he actually um, he meets him and gets to know him a little better. And, and I pulled another quote here um, by Edwards about kind of meeting him for his first time, really. He says, I had much opportunity before this of particular information concerning him from many who were well acquainted with him at New Haven nearly four years before. At the time of the commencement, when he offered that confession to the rector of the college, which has been already mentioned in this history, I being one, I being one he was pleased then several times to consult on that affair, but now I had opportunity for a more full acquaintance with him. I found him remarkably sociable, pleasant, and entertaining in his conversation, yet solid, savory, spiritual, and very profitable. He appeared meek, modest, and humble. Far from any stiffness, moroseness, superstitious demureness, or affected singularity in speech or behavior, and seeming to dislike all such things. We enjoyed not only the benefit of, this, of his conversation, but had the comfort and advantage of hearing him pray in the family from time to time. His manner of praying was very agreeable, most becoming a worm of the dust and a disciple of Christ, addressing an infinitely great and holy God and father of mercies, not with florid expressions or a studied eloquence, not with any intemperament vehemence or indecent boldness. It was at the greatest distance from any appearance of ostentation and from everything that might look as though he meant to recommend himself to those who were about him or set himself off to their acceptance. And so those were some of uh, Edwards's first thoughts upon starting to really get to know Brainerd. Mm -hmm. And what happened after that was um, when he had a chance to meet him during that time period, David Brainerd was pretty sick with uh, what they call consumption or what we would call tuberculosis, uh, which killed a, a large number of percentage of people during that era. And so he actually left from staying with Edwards while he was sick for a while. And one of Jonathan Edwards' daughters accompanied him to Boston. Um, he had a, a, a very bad bout with tuberculosis while in Boston, and this is all in the last year of his life. So Edwards doesn't really get to know him till the last year of his life. Mm -hmm. Um, gets really sick in Boston. His daughter accompanies Brainerd back to New Haven where Jonathan Edwards house is, and he never leaves that house again. That's where he spends the last few months of his life. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of their friendship kindles and the whole idea behind getting the idea of, Hey, maybe we could use your diary to um share some kingdom work with the world mm -hmm. and um and and so um they they developed a friendship very late in his life which was in his 29th year was when he died <laughs> late in his life 29th year yeah Yee. so so they had they had a, a relationship that was um brief and i think substantial um, you'd mentioned that he was only 29 years old at that point, which was late in his life. Um, excuse me. 
Um, that being said, I think that answers the question, but I was curious, does he mention in the book, did Edwards perceive it as a mentor relationship or was it just more two peers who were uh, fairly equal? Because obviously Jonathan Edwards has a lot of renown, likely significantly more than Brainerd does to this day. Yeah. Um, I, I did not see it as a, as a mentor role. It is, it was honestly, um, Edwards act in the later stages of Brainerd's life was an act of hospitality mm. and, and, and just provision for him in his sickness. Um, I often, uh, wonder if, um, Edwards felt eh, some guilt about the early state, like, uh, the year that Brainerd was kicked out of Yale, Edwards gave the commencement speech and really spurred on the student body towards, um, this awakening that was happening at, mm. at Yale at the time. And there was this division between the faculty and the students and the students were really just having a revival, I would say at the time. And, um, and Edwards gave this commencement speech and then it wasn't, but a short time after that, he is speak that Brainerd is speaking such way about one of his one of his professors mm. and gets kicked out of the school. And so I I know, you know, I wonder if Edwards had guilt about that during this like yeah. this whole thing had happened. And yet, you know, the providence of of that whole thing w could not have led to the life that he led without that circumstance in his life. Mm. Yeah. Jeremiah, what sort of time uh, and attention is required as like a, a cost to the reader going into it? So like, what would you expect to tell uh, our listeners would be the expense there? Yeah, so this is unique, right? Like this book, like you had mentioned, isn't a typical book of what people have been talking about. And so while I would recommend reading this book a full read through, I think it can also be used as, especially once read once, a dive back devotional. Like mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of when you read anyone's diary, it is repetitious sometimes. Yeah, so you're mm -hmm. seeing a lot of repetition. Um, and, and so I, I think if you just sat down and read it, it's, it's a decent sized book. You're looking at, you know, a couple weeks, um, to, to move on through it. But, um, you know, it's, it's a book that doesn't need a lot of, uh, it's not a, it's not a, a story, right? It's not a, uh, there's not a singular purpose to this book sure. that's being written. Cause it's not an author expounding on something in particular. Mm -hmm. It's a guy writing every day in his journal. Uh, about his own life never meant to be published. So cool. Um, I guess from that, what did you find the most encouraging from like reading that? And like, what did you take away from, I guess, having that daily repetition almost? Yeah. Well, you know, a, a number of things um, that were particularly encouraging to me and why, you know, I chose to talk about this book with you, y'all. Um, Brainerd deals with something he calls re repeatedly melancholy. And, and I think if we look at it, you really see that he was a person who dealt with depression. Yeah. Um, and it is a wonderful testimony to see him work in his life um, as he starts his journal uh, in his early 20s um, that we get to start reading it until his death to see the um, ability for Brainerd to start to distinguish what is melancholy in affecting his thoughts about God and what is truth and to start separating, like how, how is this influence of this depression um, affecting how I'm reading scripture or how I'm thinking about God. And I think he starts to get to a sweet spot of being able to delineate those two really well later in his, in his twenties. Um, and then being able to talk about it with the reader. I mean, he's not talking about it with the reader. He's talking about it to himself in his yeah. diary, but we get to see a glimpse of it and it's unfiltered because He's writing this to himself. Like I said, he's not 
So just that testimony was very encouraging to me in, in having dealt with, um, having been influenced by people who are dealing with mental health um, in my own life mm-hmm. um, and seeing how he dealt with it. It was just super encouraging. Also, he was a guy who um, was very self-aware of his sin, very self-aware of his uh, ability to um, recognize his need for a savior and to, again, get a sneak peek into someone in their own confession, in their own writings about that, and to have the encouragement of how he, how he dealt with that and how he, you know, what he used from scripture to come out of that was, mm-hmm. it was really encouraging. On the flip side of that, Jeremiah, was there anything that uh, caused you to be especially discouraged or even confused in the book? Yeah. So, I, I mean, the, what I would say is, you know, it's a, it's a book that was taken from a diary in the early 1700s. So there's some language, there's some language, you know, I would just mention that there's also, I mentioned earlier, there's just repetition when you're reading a diary. Sometimes a day can look very similar to the next day. Um, and then I, I would say that um, just culturally, there's a lot, a lot of differences. So even how you think about religion, as he talks about it, is very different in all, our culture. So some of that language, right. and, and so you have to just get through some of that. But otherwise, no, nothing that was confusing or discouraging, just just the language of the time, really. Cool. Okay. Um, who would you say is like the ideal person that you'd recommend this book to? Well, I would say it's to the believer. So it's not a book to pick up for someone who uh, is not in the kingdom already because uh, it would, I think it would be confusing, (laughs) but more than that, um, I think there's a, a big following of this book among like to like, Hey, if you're going to be a missionary, you need this book. And and I would just, um, I would say, yes, you do. But I would just say anyone who can be encouraged by a testimony of a fellow brother could it read this book? And it's, mm-hmm. it's super encouraging to anyone who knows Christ and wants to know him more. Yeah, that's great. Uh, in today's age, uh, we could certainly classify it as one that is uh, very instant gratification seeking. Um, books that focus on the primary application tend to top the bestsellers lists. Um, even thinking like, that's not a bad thing. We definitely have some of those books represented on the podcast for sure. But Jeremiah, speaking more broadly than this book itself, and I know you've kind of spoken to this already, but how would you market the value of a biographical account to the modern Christian of the day who's maybe more inclined to reading a book about how to mortify sin or or some other topical thing like that? Yeah, the, so I, I think Edwards hit it in his preface as well. Like mm-hmm. there's there's room for both. Um, and even, even in those books today that are... Um, you know, very focused on a, on a piece of primary application, generally speaking, they're interspersing testimony into it too. Mm-hmm. So this, I would just say is, um, you know, you're getting the testimony and what makes this book to me, that was so especially encouraging is that every piece of that testimony that you see lived out in his diary, there is so much application to pull from. Mm-hmm. There's just, there is so much. And, and so, you know, I, I don't think I need to make a plug for why the biographical book is important in today's society. Testimony will always be relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in scripture. Yeah. It's, it's important in life. It's important as we evangelize and as we share testimony is huge. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's applicable. <laughs> Sweet. Nice to hear. 
were there any like specific quotes, passages that you found especially helpful or like that can summarize the book? Yeah. Um, there is definitely not a quote that can summarize the book. Probably the best summation yeah. of the book, the summative part is when, when Edward speaks in the preface, sure. he probably sums up the book well enough. Um, and then, and then you actually get the meat in the diary itself. Um, but I, I will share with you a passage here just to give you an example of one of those. Cause I, I've shared a couple of quotes from Edwards, but let's get one from Brainerd here. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is just, just an example of what a couple of days looked like. Um, this is towards the later twenties. So this is towards the back end of his, right. his diary. Lord's day, May 17th, spent the forenoon at home being unable to attend the public worship. At this time, God gave me some affecting sense of my own vileness and the exceeding sinfulness of my heart. That there seemed to be nothing but sin and corruption within me. Innumerable evils compassed about me. My want of spirituality and holy living, my neglect of God and, and living to myself. All the abominations of my heart and life seemed to be open to my view. I had nothing to say, but God be merciful to me, a sinner. Towards noon, I saw that the grace of God in Christ is infinitely free towards sinners and such sinners as I was. I also saw that God is the supreme good, that in his presence is life, and I began to long to die, that I might be with him in a state of freedom from all sin. Oh, how small a glimpse of his excellency refreshed my soul. Oh, how worthy is the blessed God to be loved, adored, and delighted in, in himself for his own divine excellencies. Though I felt much dullness and want of a spirit in prayer this week, yet I had some glimpses of the excellency of divine things, and especially one morning, in secret meditation and prayer, the excellency and beauty of holiness as a likeness to the glorious God was so discovered in me that I began to long earnestly to be in that world where holiness dwells in perfection. I seemed to long for this perfect holiness, not so much for the sake of my own happiness, although I saw clearly that this was the greatest, yea, the only happiness of my soul, as that I might please God, live eternally to him and glorify him to the utmost stretch of my rational powers and capacities. Lord's Day, May 24th. Could not but think, as I often remarked to others, that much more of true religion consists of deep humility, brokenness of heart, and an abasing sense of barrenness and want of grace and holiness than most who are called Christians imagine, especially those who have been esteemed the converts of the late day. Many seem to know no other religion but elevated joys and affections arising only from some flight of imagination or some suggestion made to their mind of being of Christ being theirs, God loving them and the like. End sure. quote. But uh, so just like that last day, even like Brainerd is writing in his diary and he's saying like, yeah, you know, I think the Christian life is more to do with this like humility and these things. And he's like, but yet I see in my, you know, my current culture, like so many people are just like joy drunk on Jesus, right? Yeah. Like, Hey, I have, I have Christ. And so just a passage like that, like that's just one passage. And that's what many of his days are. He's just like expounding on thoughts in his own mind. Mm -hmm. And you can, that's why I said, you could take that as a daily devotional and look, read his passages and be like, let me just meditate on that for a while. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was fantastic. Um, Mr. Harder, David Brainerd is credited with being the primary motivator to many other well-known evangelists. Uh, some of excuse me, wow, some evangelists would include Jim Elliott, uh, William Carey, etc. As I was reading through this before, I said Jim Carey, but he's not a super well-known evangelist. <laughs> uh, Jeremiah, what makes David Brainerd such a compelling character of study? You know, I, I, I have 
um, thoughts on that. And uh, I, I think it has to do with, again, the testimony that shared. Um, the first time I think that I remember hearing about David Brainerd was at uh, a pastor's conference and John Piper was doing a report on this book. Mm -hmm. And so I grabbed a quote from his um, paper that he shared on, on uh, why was this man impactful? Why do others like Elliot and, and Carrie, um, why were they interested in him? And I'll just go ahead and read it. Great. Why has this life had such an impact? Or perhaps I should pose a more modest and manageable question. Why does it have such an impact on me? How has it helped me to press on in the ministry and to strive for holiness and divine power and fruitfulness in my life? The answer is not that Brainerd's life is a vivid, powerful testimony to the truth that God can do and does use weak, sick, discouraged, beat down, lonely, struggling saints who cry to him day and night to accomplish amazing things for his glory. I think the reason Brainerd's life is such had such powerful effects on people is that in spite of all his struggles, he never gave up his faith or his ministry. He was consumed with a passion to finish his race and honor his master and spread the kingdom and advance in personal holiness. It was this unswerving allegiance to the cause of Christ that makes the bleakness of his life glow with glory so that we can understand Henry Matten when he wrote as a student at Cambridge in 1802, I long to be like him. Um, and I, I know we're going to be getting to at the end of our time here. I, I think an important piece of his life that I don't necessarily came up in any of our questions is that the primary ministry years of his life in his twenties there were spent ministering to the native American Indians yeah. in mm -hmm. Delaware. So he, his mission after he got kicked out of Yale, he got commissioned to go to work with the Delaware Indians and had, um, very unfruitful first number of years. And it was in his last couple years that. God just moved through those uh, that Native American tribe, and um, he got to experience just the fruit of and see the fruit of kingdom work. And um, so, I just wanted to make sure I said, yeah, that's what that was what his ministry was. And then he got sick, came back, and and lived with Edwards and passed away. Um, off the cuff question for you, Jermaine: Has he written any books on like going out to other cultures and evangelizing there? I assume not. But are you familiar with any literature? No, that? Uh, he hasn't. There is some publication of some of his letters that he wrote to his siblings. Um, he part another part of his diary, the one that he more specifically kept when he was with um, the Delaware tribe, uh, is published by a, another publisher um, in the 1700s, and I don't recall the name. Um, but so there is a little bit more of his diet, like another diary that he kept that is published. Okay. Um, and to wrap up, would you say there are any other books that you would recommend along this line in proceeding or subsequent order, which would further emphasize the point made in this book or Brainer, on Brainerd's life? Yeah. And, and so again, I would say there wasn't like a point yeah. to this diary. Um, and I, I'll mention this again, I briefly said it, but Brainerd, this wasn't written to be published. In fact, as he was dealing in the later stages of his life with this tuberculosis and knew he was going to be passing away, vehemently wanted to make sure that his diary was not published. Not because there was things I think that he wanted to hide, but so that as a uh, for him, I think it was to remain um, without uh, conceit or pride to have something published of his. But uh, eventually enough people talked to him actually when he was in Boston for that short period of time before he came back to live with Edwards, um, they convinced him to publish. But, you know, I would say, you know, a, a book that is uh, similarly 
similarly have been encouraging to me is practicing the presence of God um, with Brother Lawrence. It's a really short book um, that is, again, talking about an individual who is working in ministry and in a different way than Brainerd, though, finds joy in the service and the struggle of what he's doing. Well, that's yeah. fantastic. It just so happens that uh, <laughs> the next episode will feature Alex, but the one after that is actually Trenton LeClaire uh, talking on that very book. So, hey, bonus. I got to throw in a plug then for that's you. That's right. Yeah. You definitely did. Yeah, that'll thank be episode you. eight. Yeah. Sweet. Well, thank you so much, Jeremiah. That was our final question, uh, and we have taken up plenty of our listeners' time, so we're going to wrap up here. But, uh, yeah, thanks again so much, Jeremiah. I appreciate it. You very much. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you again. Uh, if any of our listeners are interested in learning more about you or about your organization, Camp Arrowhead. Or, sorry. Oh, no. Oh, no. I just said <laughs> Arrowhead, Arrowhead Bible, Bible Camp. Camp. Goodness. I probably should just walk out right now. <laughs> um, oh but where should, where should they go if they would like, if you'd want? If you'd like them to come. Yeah. Hey, you know, uh, you can check out the the place I work is called Arrowhead Bible Camp. The web address is abcamp.org. Uh, and yeah, I, I work in camp ministry and it's a, it's a blessing and a privilege. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's great. Uh, for all of our listeners, as always, if you have any questions, concerns, contentions, or uh, confusions about what we've discussed today on the podcast, you can definitely feel free to email us at a good book review podcast at gmail.com. Alex, if listeners wanted to keep up to date on current events with our podcast, where else could they go? You guys can go to our Instagram, which is a.good.book.review. Right? Yeah, I got it. Yeah, awesome. Big Instagram guy. Also, for all of our listeners out there, don't forget to tune in again in a couple weeks uh, for our next episode, episode seven, where uh, your very own Alex Daniels will be reviewing. One of his favorite books, which is by Michael Reeves, and it's titled Delighting in the Trinity. Um, So, Alex, I think you're pretty excited about that, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Until then, take care and God bless. See you guys later. Take care.